And uh, as you guys are coming to Genesis 11, we're going to be studying the sons of Terah. Talk about what that is, who that is, and all that. <clears throat> but I, I really wanted to uh, go out of my way, um, before even getting into the word, to you know, just address you know, what's going on with uh, COVID-19 and we as a church. Okay? So, um, right, we, 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 since Pentecost Sunday, we have remained open. Okay? Um, and we're doing that for several reasons. And if you want to know why, you can go back to an old sermon where we're talking about that there's an importance of coming together and worshiping the way that we are. Okay? Um, and But at the same time, I understand, we understand that to the pure, all things are pure. Like for some people, they don't feel comfortable coming back and they're watching online, and that's okay. Um, but, you know, obviously just recently, the governor of Pennsylvania has increased essentially the restrictions, right? I mean, there's even a talk of, you know, if you're having Thanksgiving at your house, that people outside your own household, you should be wearing a mask even in Thanksgiving dinner, okay? Those types of levels of restrictions, okay? And so, you know, I ran over the new rolling out of the restrictions. Actually, kid you not, uh, someone in our church is a lawyer, okay? And they have gone over the material. They have discussed it with the Pennsylvania Family Law Institute or Law Center that champions First Amendment rights. And the Pennsylvania Family Institute Law Center reached out to the Department of Health. What's going on with all this with churches and synagogues and mosques? And they went on the record and said, these restrictions do not apply to churches. Woo! Okay? So you have to understand that. Now, before I even got that legal explanation, I was reading over the frequently asked questions section. And the way that it's phrased is, is very interesting, right? And as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, they're being lawyers. It says that inside of public space, you're to wear masks when six feet of distance is not possible. Newsflash, that's been the ruling since like March. That's right. So really, nothing has changed. Now, we encourage people in different households. If I turn the camera around, you can see people in different households generally have six feet of distance, right? Because you don't have that big of a church. So we're doing that. And, and, but even if we weren't doing that, Amen. according to the law, we're still exempt. Okay? Now, we're trying to create that balance. I just want people to bring it home. What's up with these guys? They're crazy. Fine, we might be crazy, but we're also still not that crazy because we're still in accordance to what the law is saying. And we have that on the record from the lawyers. Okay? Right? The Pennsylvania Family Institute has, has reached out uh, to as was the Secretary of Health, Dr. Levine, right? Um, so that is that, okay? So just wanted to encourage you with that. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, if you live in Philadelphia, maybe you should take a drive up to Bucks County. <laughs> right? Each, each municipality, each county, it runs things differently. That's the beauty, if you know, by the way, if you have a social teacher, that is the beauty that um, uh, Pennsylvania is one of the only states in the country that is technically a commonwealth. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, what the hell's a commonwealth? There's a big difference. <laughs> commonwealth, it's more autonomous, localized governance. Yeah. You see how that works? Yeah. 
You see the brilliance of Fallon Followers? You see the brilliance of William Penn? You see the brilliance of these things? Guess what? Pennsylvania was 1776. California is like, what, 18, whatever. And they didn't adopt that idea. Pennsylvania did it. So we're a commonwealth. Localized autonomous control. Haran 
has an interesting development in history which we'll get to. Before we get into all this, a little bit of a reminder, uh, because you probably haven't heard this since we were kids, and this is going to be a purpose for understanding things later. So Mara, we can start our little song. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. Can't just miss these things. These are not just for no reason. 
What do we have? The youngest brother dies in Ur. They go, they set up a new town. They leave, they set up a new city. And they call the city after the youngest brother. Very sweet, very nice. They want to remember the brother. Remember the son. The youngest one who could not go on the journey. But what's also kind of disheartening is there's also kind of this, well, why are they naming the city after the youngest brother? It might just be out of just nice platitudes. But I think there's more there. Because they choose not to go. They choose not to walk with Abraham. They stay. They remain. They're thinking about the past. They're thinking about Ur. They're thinking about the city. They're thinking about their life. In fact, they even named the city after the past. Now, eventually, which is really disheartening, because this is how the way generations work. The father sets something into motion. The brothers are doing things. But what's really disheartening is no more is not going to stay in, in Haran with his father. Abraham goes to, to, to Canaan. <clears throat> and Nahor stays with his father for a little bit. And then what happens here, it says that Nahor is eventually going to leave. And he goes to a new land. And he calls the city Nahor. He needs a city after himself. <laughs> All right. Uh, egotistical kind of thing going on here, I think. In the city after me. I found them. So, what do we have here? It says, we have a couple things here, right? We have a tendency to look at the Bible and look at like, some of the literal meanings of what's going on, right? We have a tendency to look at the Bible and take a look at the hyper spiritual things that are going on. And I think sometimes we forget or we miss the mark to meet in the middle. Like evangelicals or spirit-filled Christians, like they want to like hyper-spiritualize everything. Just not necessarily bad. It's time for that. There's a middle ground that there are lessons that are being taught in this story that we are not looking for. And it's really a lesson of symbols. It's a lesson of patterns. It's a lesson of archetypes. Archetypes of patterns in how people interact. Patterns, how people do things over time, over years, over centuries. People pick up the same patterns. And so some of the things that we need to unpack here is this, this divine truth. An Abram cannot reach a Canaan, and an Abram cannot become an Abraham if there is not a father, if there's not a terror. This is a little terror begins to journey. God has not spoken to him. Why did he face the terror? Didn't even have God speak to him. He just knows he needs to go. And he sets the stage for Abraham. This is an important truth. There are people that in your life that may not have as much faith as you. There are certain spiritual fathers and mothers. Many people that aren't even saved, man. Who set up a context for you to be able to go on the journey the Lord has brought forth? That's good. You need to recognize <laughs> But now let's get into the brothers and some of the lessons here. 
and looking into the archive, I think we can kind of might be able to put some of ourselves into these places. Right, three kids. My parents got siblings. Yeah, if you're the only sibling, it's one thing. If two siblings, third thing. I'm telling you, you get three. Like the sibling dynamics get complicated. I don't want to like. I don't want to have a family of three or more kids like you yourself. Like, there's something I'm telling you. Once you hit three, like the soap opera just gets a little bit more interesting, right? Because you got the middle child, you got the oldest child, the youngest child, you got the two children in the gang up with the oldest, or the oldest in the middle of the gang up the youngest. There's a whole intrigue. It's no longer, it's no longer, like, you're no longer playing defense. <laughs> I was joking, I had a third kid, I was like, man, this is tough. I'm playing zone defense now. <laughs> I used to be like, you get that one, you get that one. Show, you get Naomi, I'll get Eden. Good. Now it's like, oh no, I play defense. Or zone defense, right? I'll get, I'll get this side of the house, you get that side of the house, we'll see what happens. <laughs> you box them out. <laughs> so all right, the, 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 the interesting nature of three siblings is, is, is something else, man. Something else. Uh, some of you have been blessed to be part of that. Some of you have been blessed not to be part of that. <laughs> right? So Haran is the youngest. And uh, what happens here is, what's the lesson? Haran is the youngest child, and he dies for the divine journey. Through the journey of Terah. Through the journey of Abraham. He dies before the journey. What's the lesson? Spiritually. Don't be that guy. That's good. Well, what am I talking about in the spirit? In the spirit it's this. Haran is the person who dies a spiritual death. The one who dies before the journey even begins. We are all on a spiritual journey. And that journey is changing. And that journey has to change as things change on planet Earth. You cannot and should not die a spiritual death in the midst of the journey. But really, the, the more interesting brother is, is really Nahor. Haran dies. Namaseda, right? But Nahor is very fascinating. Let's take a look at Joshua. Joshua 24, we see a little bit more about the dynamics between the brothers and the father. This is happening years, hundreds of years later, and the Israelites are writing almost like a historical narrative to their, to their lineage. And in the book of Joshua it says this, and Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times. And they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. What do they have here? Terah and Nahor are not going to go with Abraham. They, they stay on the eastern side of the river. Really be afraid. And you know, I'm just looking at this and thinking about this. I'm like, what, I, I, what the heck and what on earth were both of them thinking? Now seriously, let's, let's take a look at the family dynamic. Your son, Abraham, or Abram, 
comes to you, the father, and comes to the brother, and it says, God has spoken to me. And he has said, get out of your country, from your family, and I need to go. But what's really interesting here is there's no conversation. Like, no more. God just spoke to your brother. Don't you want to know what's going on? Or is he just a madman? He's just a lunatic. He's saying he heard the voice of God. It's like, no more, you're going to miss out on a lot, man. In retrospect. I think, you know, because there's no response. I can't, like, you, you just left the land of Ur, you have your entire family, all your resources, and you see your brother packing up. Or you see your son packing up. Are you telling me there's no conversation? Are you telling me, like, what's the deal? What's going on? What did this divine being say to you? Remember, Ben has not heard God in a long time. I think the Lord is just like, now nah, I'm good. I mean, you left her, man. That was hard enough. Now you want to go further? I'm just going to chill here. I'm good. I'll just stay on the eastern side. Not just the Jordan, the eastern side. Euphrates, even further away from the land of promise. And that does something. That does something. No more has a son, Laban. He's a deceiver. An absolute deceiver. Right? He's the one that fools the patriarchs right in the marriage. Laban has Rebecca. And he has Leah and Leah. And he tries to get people to work for him and not give him the reward, if you remember the story. What's that? That was the partial this week. Was there? Yeah. Was Look, man, you, you, what am I, you do not step and you do not follow the will and the vision of the Lord. And you have children that are deceivers. You have children that just want money. Children that are greedy. Children who lie. Unfortunately, the Lord redeems them. He redeems Rebecca. He redeems Leah. Leah, how do you say that? Leah? Leah. I'm sorry, but the Hebrew, the Hebrew part of my mind is that, right? So, Aleph. What's her name? So, Leah and Rebecca, their lineage, their bloodline is, is, is redeemed. And it's redeemed because they get married into Abraham's bloodline. And they have the tribes of Israel. So the Lord redeems all that, but he doesn't really redeem Terah. He doesn't really, really redeem Laban. But he sure redeems the granddaughter. But that redemption comes when they marry into the vision of the Lord. They marry into Abraham's seed. Yeah. Now what's really powerful here is this. It says that they served other gods. Terah and Haran served other gods. This is unbelievable. Like Terah got the party started. Jewish tradition is that essentially that they were monotheistic, but they didn't know Yahweh. But they knew that there was one God. And there's some element to that. Because Isaac is going to have Jacob go out and go to his family's side because he knows that there's a monotheism, but they don't know the one true God. Hence, they serve other gods. Why? Not going on the full journey will ultimately lead you to serve other gods. That's good. 
By staying behind, Terah and no more are going to serve other gods. He remained, he stayed, he didn't push on to receive the best. Good. What on earth was the middle child thinking when he sees Abraham picking up his stuff and ready to go? I don't know. The text doesn't say. But I would assume that he doesn't listen. He doesn't believe. He doesn't care that a God spoke to his oldest brother. Why would God speak to you and not speak to me? Boy, does that not sound very familiar when looking up in the food chain of the family. The eldest received this. How come I received this, Abraham? And I believe through this, we need to connect it to the church today. I believe it's this. I believe that there are churchgoers that are simply terrors. They started well. Oh, they started well. In fact, some of them went before us. And maybe they only saw in part. And I thank the Lord for them. Because they got me to where I am now. But some terrors are in our midst. They know a God, but they not, dare not beckon to hear His voice. They know there is God, like Terah. And there's even like a semblance of faith to get a journey going. But once the journey gets a little too far away from the norm, they stop. I believe that there's some in the church that they've died a spiritual death before the journey really got going. And they're like a Haram, the youngest son. They just died from within. The land of plenty, the land of the Chaldeans swallowed them up and killed them. I believe that the church today, in 2020, is at a critical point. We're at a very critical point. I, I, I would argue it's the most critical point of my life, my 40 years. It's a very, very, very critical point. A fork in the road, an intersection. It's good enough. 
comfortable. I've gone far enough. I mean, can we leave her already? You mean we have to go further? I, I, I'm telling you right now, right, we all know this. Everything, everything on earth right now is pressing against us. I mean, right now, there is so much that is pressing up against the church. COVID, COVID restrictions, flat out fatigue of ministry and work. I mean, there are states and there are people, there are churches in our own community who have adopted a belief that they can't even meet.
If you don't, you will settle in the land of no more. Yeah. Not in the land of promise. Yeah, come on. It's about kingdom advancement. Uh, and so in a moment, I'm going to show you a video. Not quite yet. I've got to confess. He's Alan Kirkpatrick's Brandon and my, like, guy crush. <laughs> yeah. He's a little tough. Navy SEAL. I don't know if he's a believer or not. But I want you to listen to what this man has to say. Some of you will be offended. That's okay, it's because you live in the wrong city. I'm not living in the land of the Lord anymore. Enough. But what he says, I, I want you to take it, I want you to put on spiritual overtone, or undertone. Alright? Let's go for it. Jungle, I am a chronic excuse maker. How do I stop making excuses and get things done? The chronic excuse maker. How do you stop making excuses? This is actually prison. And I said it the other day, you have to realize, you have to know, you have to accept that all your excuses are lies. They're lies, all of them. Think about the things that you tell yourself the lies you use to rationalize taking the easy road. Taking the easy road and leaving discipline behind. Think about them. You don't have time. That's a lie. You don't have support. That's a lie. You don't have the equipment or the gear Lies. You don't you don't know the best way. Who cares? That's a lie. Or you're too old or you're too young. Of course you're too old or too young. Lie. And there's you're too busy. Sure you are. That's a lie. And you're too tired or you're too sore or you're just plain not feeling it. Lies, lies, lies. And the list goes on and on and on. And it doesn't stop if you don't make it stop. So recognize. Recognize the excuses are not valid. They are. They're trumped up. They're conjured up. They're fabricated. They're lies. And how do you stop the lies? You stop the lies with the truth. The truth. The truth will set you free. The truth will stand. And the truth will deliver you from procrastination and laziness and the downward spiral that comes with a lack of discipline. So, don't believe the lies. Believe the truth. 
But the truth is, you have time. You have the skill. You have the knowledge and the support and the willpower and the discipline to get it done. So, cast out the lies. Burn them down. And listen to the truth. And live the truth. And go out and get it done. The truth. And Jesus said unto them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, hell, shall not prevail against you. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. If you're not living a lifestyle like this, you have succumbed to the law. I'm done with the excuses. If you're living a life that you are not proud of, you're listening to a lie. And you will listen to people who will feed that lie. The kingdom goes forward with force. I'm telling you right now, with COVID and restrictions and fear, this is not the time to sit back. There are too many churches that are sitting back in retreat. We're standing on the Rubicon, man. It's time to attack. When all the others are sitting back, the big ministries and the big names, let me tell you, there's going to be a shepherd boy by David who said, Who are you, you Philistine? You uncircumcised, defiled one. We come at you with the Lord God of heaven's armies. It was a small boy who did that. It's a small church that picks up a slingshot.
spreading and people don't know the Lord and there's this and there's this in politics. Shut up! Ship up! Shape up! Or go become a Jehovah's Witness. Judgment has begun. 
It's up to us with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 17, 21, closing up. Or rather, verse 20. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. You can't go out and try to get it. The kingdom of God doesn't come when you go out and pray for it. When you read this certain spiritual manual, or if you go to this seminary, or if you go to this class at church so that you can become the thing that you want to become. The kingdom of God is a cup to observe. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. I love these people. The kingdom of God is not at Bethel in California. The kingdom of God is not to be met with Sean Foy. Although they're awesome. It's not somewhere to go. It's not somewhere to put in your mind. He says the kingdom of God, it resides inside of every man. But we listen to the lies. We listen to the lies. No, you can't. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not old enough. You're too old. You're this, you're that. There's Corona. There's COVID. But you gotta work an extra shift. Lies. 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 But we've been listening to it for so long. Because you've been hanging out with no more. The big seizure. So. Three brothers. Three lessons. Be this brother. Right now, all the lies are trying to rock, raise its head right now. 
All the lies are trying to raise its head in America and in the greater church right now. Lord, that those lies would be exposed. We're alive inside. We're alive shame. We're alive. I've always been addicted, so I always will be addicted. Alive, I've always been overweight, so I'll always be overweight. Lie. Lord, we proclaim right now the truth. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're sons and daughters. You're priests. A holy priesthood. A strange and peculiar people. That is the truth. So release us now, Lord.